0: I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so last couple podcasts, I've been talking about Avicen Restored, and I'm not done yet. So last I left, we had gotten up to E. So we're going to start with E. Okay, so Emancipation Angel. So this is a uh, costs one white white, so three mana total, two of which is white, for a 3-3 three, three angel that is flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you return a permanent U-control to your hand. So, this is a little thing we do in white, sometimes in blue, where the cost of playing something is you're, you have to return something. But, um, one of the things that's fun to do is make designs where there's a drawback, but hey, the drawback can be, you know, used positively if you find ways to do it. And for example, in this set, there's a lot of comes-and-play triggers, or soul bond. there's a lot of ways to take advantage of things coming back into play. And so, this allows you to, um, for example... A real common thing you'll do is you'll play a soul bond early, pairing something, and then when you play this card, you get to unsummon the soul bond and replay it, and then now rebond it to something else. Um, although I guess that's a poor example, because soul bond you can. Well, soul bond you could wait to do it till something else comes into play, but if you've already bonded it with something, you could bounce it to rebond it. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of enter the battlefield effects. There's, there's a lot of different effects that are designed to really be useful to be able to bounce something. And so. Um, this is a drawback that is done uh, in white and blue. Um, ironically, also the flickering colors. So white and blue definitely have a strong flickering and bouncing sort of theme going on in this set. Um, and in general, it just more angels. Um, one of the things we tried to do when we did the angels is we decided to try to get angels in all the different rarities. We, we took a different approach with the dragons in Dragons um, of Tarkir, um, but we wanted to have common angels and uncommon angels and um, I think, actually, one of the things that made us change our mind about dragons had a lot to do with how we did angels in Evison um, Restored. And that one of the things you want to be careful of is when you're taking an iconic and trying to spread it out is you want it to feel, still feel special. And it's tricky to make a common version of it that still feels special yet feels common. Um, and so we definitely made some... Th- uh, this one wasn't common, but we definitely made some common angels. Um, in fact, was this common? Maybe it was common. I don't remember. It could be common. Uh, it's a 3-3, so maybe it was common. I didn't mark down rarity. Okay, next. Entreat the angels. X, X, white, white, white. So it it has two X's in its mana cost, three white mana symbols. It's a sorcery. And you put X, four, four white angel tokens, creature tokens, into play. And they have flying. they put them on the battlefield. Uh, And then miracle X, white, white. So it costs one less X and one less white. So the idea is, normally, let's say, for example, I have eight mana, three of which is white. Well, if I have eight, or not eight mana, sorry, nine mana, three of which is white, that means I have six uh, generic mana, I can spend three each for the X's. So if I spend nine mana, I get to play three, four, four angels. Now, let's say I have the same thing, but I miracle it out. So with the same nine mana, instead of making three angels, I'm making seven angels. So miracling, it really allows you to do a much bigger swing, um and notice the it's an expel. so late in the game if you draw this late in the game it could really turn the game around that if you draw the miracle and you need some help all of a sudden like all of a sudden you have 744 four flying angels that really really can help turn the game around so um this was one of the more popular miracle cards i mean it, one of the stronger miracle cards to boot no that correlation is probably uh, very much on purpose but anyway it was a uh, very popular also it made angel tokens i think we were um We knew we wanted to make some angel tokens, and I think originally they were making angels that were a little bit different. And then we decided to match it with the miracles, because it was kind of fun for the miracle to make angels. Okay, next. Evernight Shade. So it costs three and a black. It's a one-one shade. For black, you can give it plus one plus one until end of turn, and it has undying. So shades, for those unfamiliar, are black creatures that always have the ability to pump them with black mana. Um, Usually shades start pretty small. But the fact that you can pump them with it, and, and you can pump them as many times as you want. It's not like a root wall or something. You can pump, pump once. You can pump as much black mana. And shades really, really encourage you to play mono black, because just the more black mana you have, the more powerful it can be. But it always shrinks back down, so it always has some vulnerability. So one of the tricks of playing shades is sometimes you leave mana back so you can protect it if someone tries to do something to it. You know, If someone tries to bolt it, you have enough mana to protect it. But if you make it too big on your attack, then you make yourself more vulnerable. Um, Undying is interesting just because it changes the base stats, and so it was a sort of a cute way to do uh, a shade, you know, just try to make a different undying creature. Um, shades are interesting, by the way, in that there's only a handful of creature types that we pretty much one-for-one one tie to a certain mechanic, and shades are tied to the uh, black for plus one, plus one. Um every once in a while we'll do the black plus one plus one and not make it a shade, but I don't think we ever make a shade without it being the black plus one plus one. Um but anyway, there there's certain things, specters, I and mean, there's a few things where we, we tie trolls ten of regeneration. You know, there's there's a couple things that we tie mechanically to something pretty consistently. Um I guess spiders usually have reach, stuff like that. Okay, next, Falcon Wrath Exterminator. One in a red for a one-one vampire archer. When combat uh, when uh, Falcon when Falcon Wrath Exterminator deals combat damage, he gets a plus one plus one counter. The slith ability all the vampires have this in the stride, or most of them do. Uh, and then for two R, you can deal damage to target creature equal to the number of plus one plus one counters on it. That's why he's an archer, by the way. He's a vampire archer. That's the archer part. Uh, anyway, um, the idea is that as you grow bigger, there's some other thing that cares about the size of you growing bigger. And so in this case, for example, until you hit once, you can't use the ability. But once you hit once, okay, now you have a sort of a Tim ability, a um, uh, prodigal sorcerer, prodigal pyromancer type of ability. But it doesn't require a tap. And then, as you get bigger and bigger, it just gets more... Um, and the synergy also is, if I'm trying to hit you and you have things in the way, the more I'm able to clear the things out of the way to hit you again, it definitely propagates itself. Okay, next, Favorable Winds. It's an enchantment for one blue, one and a blue, so two mana, one of which is blue. Creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one. So this is uh, kind of a lord, but instead of a lord for a creature type, it's uh, for an ability, flying. Um, this is something we do every once in a while, we don't do a lot of, um, but this is definitely a card saying, hey, I think white and blue had a, a flying strategy, and this was trying to sort of play into that, that if you're playing a white-blue flying strategy, this helps you, um, it also kind of, uh, can help a spirit deck, if you made a spirit deck, almost all spirits fly, or white, most white and blue spirits fly, especially in Innistrad. Okay, next, Fervent Cathar, two in a red for a 2-1 human knight with haste. And it enters the battlefield, target creature can't block. So this is one of those cards. It's very, very funny that when you ask me the kind of designs that I'm proud of, proudest of, um, this is the kind of card that, as a designer, like, when you... I think this is the first time we did this. And this this, this is a really neat design where it has the panic ability as an ETB. So when it enters the battlefield, it keeps something from blocking. But then it itself can attack because it has haste. And so it has this nice little synergy that if your opponent just has one creature, you can play this out, prevent them from blocking, and hit them. Um... And one of the things that, like I said, in design, whenever you can make a nice, cute, elegant design and you haven't made it before, that that is like the great, um, the greatest moments in design when you, you've just done magic design for a long time, is finding the nice, simple things you haven't done yet. Because those, those are truly, I mean, as time goes on, as we've made 15,000 cards, there is not a lot of nice, clean, elegant things out there. There's some, and when you make new mechanics, you get a carve new space. But finding, like, we could have made this card for the last 20 years, but we didn't. Or, at the time, it wasn't quite 20 years. But, you know, we, we could have made the card, but we hadn't. And go, wow, this is a really good card. So, you anyway, know, it's one of my favorite cards in the set, just from a pure elegance of design standpoint. And obviously, it's something we like enough that you, we, we have done a bunch of it since then. We really like it. Okay, next, Flowering Lumber Knot. Three and a green for five, five tree folk, and it cannot attack or block unless it is bonded. Bonded is what Soul Bond does. Or, sorry, it's paired. I think it's paired. This is paired. Um, so, uh, the idea of this card was it is a Soul Bond enabler. Basically, this card is useless unless there's Soul Bond connected to it. Um, but if Soul Bond's connected to it, it's a th- four mana, five, five. And if you're connected to it, okay. It's, Something about it's better, because you get an ability for being paired. Um, so, for, for previously, for example, I was talking about the uh, 3G22. So, imagine I, I manage to play my 3G22, and um, or I, I, I play the not first, let's say, and the next turn I play that. Then, all of a sudden, I have a 4-4 and a 7-7. That's a lot of—that's two pretty hefty creatures for 8 mana over 2 turns. Um, So, what we do is every once in a while, we like to make a card that we call floats, which says, I have a very specific purpose, I'm trying to enable a certain strategy, and so I will be so much more valuable to that strategy than other strategies that the people who need me will most likely get me. Now, people could hate this card or, you know, but this is not a card you're playing unless you have some soul bond in your deck. Um, And so the idea is, the person who prioritizes soul bond will take this higher. Um, Now, you want to be careful. If too many things float, then what happens is it gets segmented. Like, everybody has their deck, and only they want the cards for their deck, and then you keep playing the same deck. So you want a lot of overlap. You want a lot of cards that different decks want, so that there's different people fighting over different cards, and that there's different strategies you can use. But you want a few floating cards just to help sort of convince people to try certain strategies because there's certain if people believe uh, strategy is going to get eaten up real quickly and they won't be able to get any cards for it they're less encouraged to try to do it so there's a balance you want to reach the gallows at willow hill ok so this is an artifact that costs 3 so th- it's 3 and tap tap 3 untapped humans you control and you get a destroy target creature, it's controller gets a 1-1 one, one white spirit token creature token with flying so the idea is we, this was a top down card um, creative wanted to have a gallows I guess um, and so we, we top down a to gallows uh, and the idea is well you need to have a bunch of humans to sort of run the gallows that's why you need all the humans um, and the idea is if the humans get, get together they can exact justice but they need to sort of get together to do that and sort of playing into some of the themes the idea is when you kill the thing uh, it, it becomes a spirit and the opponent gets a little spirit in, in, in exchange um, this is one of those cards, by the way We, we did a lot of top-down design In Industride and Dark Ascension And by the time we got to Avicent Restored um, We had used up a lot of the tropes Plus we were sort of shifting out of the Gothic core A little bit because, you know It was becoming a little sunnier um, But we, we wanted to make sure that we had some top-down stuff So this is one example of some top-down stuff we did We're like, okay, you know We, we wanted some top-down of, like Humans' retribution sort of things And so a Gallows made a lot of sense Okay, next, Galvanic Arche- Alchemist. So, two and a blues, three mana, one of which is blue, for a 1-4 Human Wizard. It has soul Bond, and when it pairs, it has two you untap this creature. So, this was definitely a combo piece. So, some of Soulbond just made creatures better. It's like, pair it with creatures, pair it with your best creature, make your best creature better. Some of them, though, said, okay, I'm a little combo-ish. I allow you to reuse tap abilities. So what you want to do is you want to pair me to something with a tap ability. Um, and this definitely was something where in, in limited or even fun, casual, constructed, you could use this card and come up with fun things to do with it. Okay, next. Gang of Devils. So Gang of Devils costs five and a red for a 3-3 three, three devil. And when it dies, it deals uh, three damage divided any way you want among any number of creatures or players. So it's kind of like an arc lightning when it dies. Um And the idea is that uh, this is a tough creature to deal with because it's a 3-3 creature. You don't want it to hit you. But if you kill it, it does a bunch of damage. And notice that we like to tie... Whenever something does damage, we tend to tie it in some way so it's thematic. Here, if a damage is equal to power, that's a very normal thing for us to do. Um, But the idea is is there's a bunch of devils. I guess three. Uh, Hopefully there's three in the art. Um, And the idea is uh, each of the devils has its last little moment if you manage to get rid of it. So if you get rid of the devils, each one gets its own little sting, and there's three of them, Um, and so it gets to do the three damage. Okay, next, ghost form. Ghost form is a sorcery, costs one blue. Uh, Up to two target creatures are unblockable this turn. So we get into another theme of the set, which is part of showing teamwork was we did spells that affected two things. Um, Sometimes more than two, but at least two. And the idea is I want to have an army I'm putting together, and then I have spells that help boost that encouraged me to play multiple creatures because I have multiple things. Um, this was done in contrast to the Loner mechanic where um, the, uh, the creature has to be played by itself. So these cards say, oh, well, I'm no useless to are playing by myself. Now, Loner's in black, and these were in other, the other colors, so they're kept in separate colors, but just kind of thematically to show the different sides. And then Ghostly Flicker, same kind of thing, two blue, so two and a bl- blue, three mana, for an instant, and you instant Flicker target art, uh, up to two target artifacts, creatures, or lands. Um, so it allows you to um, reset things, to save things, to um, uh, re-trigger, enter the battlefield effects. Um, because you can do lands, you actually can get mana back out of this. Um, although that's, I mean... It allows you if you, it can allow your spells to only cost one mana if there's some reason you want to untap lands and sometimes lands can have things on them and there's sometimes reasons, in um, I don't know in limited it works but with, with uh, mana fluctuation effects also allows you to generate mana. Okay, Gisela, Blade of the Gold Knight, four red, white, white for five, five Legendary Angel. So this is um, this is Bl- uh, Blossom, I believe. Uh, of, the, of the Powerpuff Girls. So she has flying for a strike, and then all damage she... she all damage you do by any, any of your sources is doubled. All damage done to you or any of your things is halved. And so the idea is she messes with damage. And so she doubles your damage, and she halves your opponent's damage. Um, one of the things that was fun, I I, I believe I made this card, was we were tr- I was trying to mess around with how to make a red angel, and I wanted an angel to be protective, but how does red get protective? And um, I came up with the idea that, well, if she doubles your damage, it would thematically make sense that she has the opponent's damage. Now, the red does not traditionally have opponent's damage. It's not something red does a lot of. But, like, well, it's a red-white card, so what we'll do is, the red part gets to be the double damage, the white part gets to be the have thing, and they thematically tie to each other. So it feels like a red card, but it also has the white component. Obviously, it's a red-white card. So I I liked the... It had a nice sort of mirroring to it. Okay, next, good night, command. Uh, go, uh, golden knight commander, not good night. That, that's a book for uh, little kids in... Uh, <laughs> little kids in and read uh, good good night commander. But anyway, golden knight commander. That's a magic card. Uh, three and a white for a two two human cleric soldier. Um, whenever another creature enters the battlefield, all creatures you control get plus one plus one to win a turn. So the idea is, every time you get a new reinforcement, your whole company gets gets charged up. Yay! Another person to help us! I'm going to fight a little bit harder. Um, and so this is another card that just sort of says, hey, you know, plays into a white weenie type strategy. It's like, just play a lot of creatures and then attack with your creatures. And that really plays into that. Okay, next, Grave Exchange. for black, black sorcery. You return target creature card um, from your graveyard to your hand and then target player sacrifices a creature. So this is one of the things, uh, sort of aesthetical thing, aesthetics that I like in design. Is The idea is one creature is going to go from the graveyard um, out of the graveyard, and one creature is going to go into the graveyard. That you're rescuing one graveyard, you're rescuing one um, creature, and you're putting another one there. And so the grave exchange sort of like, you're exchanging. Like Instead of this creature in the graveyard, that creature will be in the graveyard. It's sort of the flavor going on. Um, I think when we originally made this, it might have reanimated... Because um, that is more of a direct parallel, but it's possible the development just was too strong and they had to weaken it. Um, that's my guess. Okay, next, Grizzlebrand, the de- the Demon Legendary Demon. So Grizzlebrand, four black, 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 black. So it's eight mana. We'll get to that in a second. Four color, four generic, four black. Seven, seven Legendary Demon, flying Life Link, pay seven life, draw seven cards. So this card is very powerful, so powerful that, like, it's showing up in Legacy, and uh, probably even Vintage. Um, it's a very powerful card, because the ability to draw seven cards for seven life is very powerful, especially when it has life link, meaning every time it hits an, uh, another player, for essentially, you can draw seven cards, because it gains you seven life. So every time you hit somebody, essentially, you get to draw seven cards. If you, do- if you um, don't want to gain life, you can just turn it into cards. Um, and, but you don't even need to do that. You can just, the second you play it, draw the seven cards. So it's, it's very valuable. It has a nice little demon feel in that it doesn't let you do one for one. You sort of have to pay a lot of life, but you get a lot of cards. So, one of the big uh, controversies about this card is it's a seven, seven demon that you pay seven life, you draw seven cards, and it's converted. Man, the cost is eight. So um this card was turned in at eight by design. it was not changed by development. This is not development's fault. development did not take a seven and turn it into an eight. I don't know why I mean the probably the why is even with I mean the, the card already has four black mana. It's not like you could add more black mana and really make it that much harder to cast. you're not you're not really playing crystal Man outside of a mono black deck so, five black, six black, whatever. At that point, it doesn't really matter, and so I think the card is strong enough it needed to cost eight mana and just couldn't cost seven. It's possible we figured that out, out during design and then just got turned over and development's like, yep, that's right. Um, but anyway, that, that is why. So aesthetics, by the way, I always talk about how important aesthetics are. The thing I find interesting is how players really, really bristle when the aesthetics are off. And this card is like, everything's a seven, but one thing, it, 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 the amount of mail I've got and people are like, what's going on? Why, you know, that the audience objectively sees it as a mistake. You have made a mistake. Clearly, it's a mistake. Not even like, why'd you do it? It's more like, you made a mistake. I've got a lot of letters like that. Um, and one of the things I explain is, aesthetics are important, but in the end, gameplay is going to trump everything. If the card's broken to the wrong cost, we're not going to cost it at the wrong cost just for aesthetics. And that was going on with the Gristle Brand. Okay, next. Harvester, Harvester of Souls. So, four black black for 5-5 five, five Demon... It is Death Touch. Whenever another non-token creature dies, you may draw a card. So there's definitely some, uh, suffering toward drawing cards here. Uh, Death Touch is not so much, it's more for flavor. It's a 5-5 demon. It's not like it can't kill most things. Um, occasionally it matters, but it's more there for flavor. We wanted our demons to feel demon-y, and so sometimes just adding a word that doesn't take a lot of space, but adds some flavor to it, and like, oh, Harvester of Souls, he's deadly, you know, and, uh, um, it says non-token creature, by the way, because it's just broken tokens. Whenever we say non-token, there's usually a developmental slash design reason why tokens would cause a problem. That's why we say non-token. Um, it's not really a flavor thing. If tokens are creatures as much as anything. If a, if a demon wants to eat somebody, I mean, the tokens are flavor-wise just as much creatures as anybody else. Okay, Havon Vampire. Three and a red, so four mana for a 2-2 Vampire. Whenever it deals combat damage, you get a plus-one, plus-one counter. Whenever another creature dies, you get a plus-one, plus-one counter. So this is interesting. It has uh, the Slith ability that all the, or that many of the vampires have. Uh, it also has... Um, so in Arabian Nights, in black... Uh, what was the name of this creature? Um, I'm blanking on his name. There El Al- Hajjaj. There was a creature who, whenever something died, it got a plus-one, plus-one counter. Um, and it's an ability we've mostly done in black. Um, because vampires were a black-red thing... Uh, I think we decided that it was okay here to bleed just a little bit. Um, normally, this ability is done in black. We, we've, we have done a cycle of it. We, in Shards of Lara, we did a cycle. Or not a cycle. We In Grixis, three of the cards in Grixis did it. So Red's done this once before. So, I mean, it's, it's a stretch, but it's not a... Uh, I mean, it's something we do a, a, on occasion, uh, although it's much more black ability. Okay, next, Hero, Herald of War. Hey, Herald. Herald of War. Three white, white, three, three angel. It's flying. When, you attack, when it attacks, it gets a plus-and-plus-one one, counter. And then angel, angel and human spells cost one less for each plus-and-plus-one one, counter on this. So you'll see there's another thing we play around a little bit here, is the idea of building up counters and caring how many counters there are. Um, and once again, you'll notice a lot of times where we have human tribal, we'll add an angel tribal. Um, there's some angel tribal sitting by itself, but a lot of the angel tribal is connected to the human, tri- human tribal to try to play in the idea that they're on the same side, that the angel and humans are working together, that they're a team. Holy Justicar. Holy Justicar, Batman. Uh, Three and a white for a 2-1 human cleric. Two white tap. Tap target creature. If it's a zombie, you exile it. So that is us doing clerics straight out of, like, Dungeon Dragons. uh, Turn undead, I believe is the spell. Um, So one of the things clerics are supposed to be good at is dealing with the undead. And we're we're playing in that trope space. We're like, okay, why don't we have a cleric that can turn the undead? So that's what's going on here, which is essentially it taps things. But if it's a zombie, sorry, sorry, zombie, bye-bye. Homicidal Seclusion. So it's an enchantment for four and a black. If only if you have exactly one creature in play, that creature gets plus three plus one and lifelink. Um, so this card can be pretty potent in uh, in the right place. Um, turned out that the Lona strategy was difficult to do in limited, not impossible, or in drag. I guess in draft, not impossible, but definitely hard to do. Um, but cards like this really made it worth the while. If you can, you know if you can get a Homicidal Seclusion out. Wow, it really said, okay, let's play one creature for a while and see what we can do. Because your opponent has to deal with the creature. It's like, I put it out, I have a giant, powerful, you know... Even a 1-1 one, one turns into a 4-2 um, Life Linker. Your opponent can't just not... They can't just ignore that. You know, they have to deal with it. And most creatures are going to die to a 4-2 Life Linker, right? So if it turns your 1-1s one, into things that kill most creatures, and if they don't block it just gets you, you know, tons of life it really makes things threatening and so the, the loner strategy the key to making it work is making you making you want to be aggressive with it so your opponent goes okay I have to deal with this and if they kill it then you get to play your next creature because you're hoarding creatures to try to only have one out at, at a time okay next Hound of Gristlebrand uh, 2 red red for a 2-2 elemental hound it's got double strike and undying so one of the things you always want to do with undying creatures is you want to make um, it relevant that it comes back with a plus one plus one counter so what you want to do there is make things where power matters, That's the most, or, or toughness matters. Uh, power mattering is a little easier to do. So double strike's a nice, clean, simple way. It's a keyword ability that doesn't take up much space, that very much cares about power. You know? And so this creature, for example, normally can do up to 4 damage if unblocked. But once it uh, comes back from undying, now it does 6 damage. So that's, you know, uh, double, double strike and undying make a nice combo. Next, human frailty, black instant, you destroy, target target human. Um, so one of the things you want to do is find the right place for things. There's a strong human-centric thing going on here. Humans are, are particularly well. You want to make sure that um, the other decks have some answers to this. Black, we say, okay, black does hate humans. It's flavorful, you know. And <coughs> the monsters can still get rid of all human. Maybe they're having trouble getting rid of all of the humans. Um, so this was a nice, simple little card that we can make that... In this particular set, where there were so many humans and humans were so strong, it it was a nice little card we could make. One of the goals, I tell this all the time, is you want to be able to make cards that you can make here that you can't normally make in a normal set. That would be tricky to make that in a normal set. Usually there's not enough humans probably to, to warrant it, or the theme of humans is not strong enough. But in this set, it's all about humans. Human tribal is very strong, and there's a lot of humans. So it really is a card that can be made here that's very flavorful. And and that's the ideal. That's kind of card you really like to have. It's like, it's hard to put it elsewhere. It's really easy to put it here. Okay, let's put it here. Next, Infinite Reflection. Five and a blue for Enchant Aura. Um, When you Enchant us, all other non token creatures you control become a copy of Enchanted Creature. Um, And that's true. And and when things come into play, they also become copies of it. So um, when you play it, it makes everything. And then when things come in, they also copy. It says non tokens because tokens would break it. Um, The idea is you can just turn everything. Into, you know, pick your best creature and turn everything into that creature. That is the flavor of this, and it's pretty cool. Um, as a man who loves cloning, I, I'm, I, I, this is the kind of card that I enjoy uh, making. I'm not sure I made it, by the way. Um, it's the kind of card I very, very well could have made. It's the kind of card that... I definitely have made cards like this in the past. And and there's a good chance I made this card. I was on the team, but uh, I don't... By the way, when I say I think I made this card, this not that people... like? I make a lot of cards. I make a lot of cards. And so I know the kind of cards I like to make. And I, even if I remember making the card, sometimes I made the card It went in a different set never got made. And somebody different made this card. Um, like Beastial Menace, the Kona Creatures, makes a 1-1, one, one, a 2-2, a 3-3. Perfect example where I made the card. I tried to get it in. I tried to get it multiple times. And when it finally got in, I, I didn't even make it that, that time. Um, so this is the kind of card I could have made. I, I probably made, but I you know I don't definitively remember. Next, Joint Assault. It's an instant for one green. Target creature gets plus two, plus two. If paired, the other creature also gets plus two, plus two. So the idea is, this is a card that you might play. It's a, it's a giant growth. It's a little weaker than giant growth. But if you happen to have soul bond in your deck, if you have a paired creature, it's better. It does four damage rather than two. So this is kind of like uh, Flowering Lumbernaut, but not quite as... Like, it'll float a little bit because this card's more valuable to a, a soulbound person, but it's not useless to someone who's not playing. You know, other people will take this card. Giant Growth is valuable. And so, you know, if you're playing things, you got to take this a little bit early because eventually it will get taken by somebody else. But maybe you prioritize it. You know, to you, it's plus four, plus four, so you might take it a little bit earlier. Okay, Kessig, Kessig Malcontents. Tuna Red for a 3-1 Human Warrior... When it enters the battlefield, you do damage to target player equal to the number of humans you control. So one of the things we tried really hard to do is we wanted to do a lot of human tribal, and we wanted the human tribal to be different in different color combinations. So one of the things that red does is red is playing a very aggressive decks where it uses humans to help it win faster. And so in red, um, one of the reasons you want to spill out lots of little tiny humans is red can punish people. Red tends to do aggressive punishing. Damage is a very good red way. So the idea is, in a human deck with red-white, you are going for aggro. You're trying to finish them off. And this is a perfect kind of spell. It's like, oh, I got them pretty low. I have a lot of humans in play. Oh, this could be the finisher card. So this definitely is trying to encourage you to play a more aggro human strategy if you're going to go... Um, I, when I say red-white, red-white is the most obvious place to go. Uh, it could be red with another color. Just white has... Red and white tend to pair up to make aggro. And so... And white has lots of small, tiny creatures which play well with this spell. Um, So this, I think, spell really is made to try and encourage you to play red-white. Next, Killing Wave, XB Sorcery. For each creature, its controller must either pay X life or sacrifice it. Um, So this is kind of a big black kill spell, but with an out. Um, The idea here is, once again, it's playing into the the loner strategy. If I have just one creature, well, maybe I'm willing to pay, you know... I'm willing to pay my life to save the one creature. Where if my opponent has lots of little creatures, wow, it's not particularly easy for them. It's not worth it while saving anything. So this is a good example of a spell that like plays into the black theme and against the enemy theme, which in this case is everybody else. Um, and it's pretty flavorful. Okay, next, Lightning Prowess is uh, aura two in a red, three mana for an enchantment. That's an aura enchanted creature has haste and has the prodigal pyromancer ability: tap, deal one damage to creature or player. Um, Uh, And so the idea is just mixing and matching. We've done, you know, red gives haste on auras. Red gives uh, the prodigal pyromancer on auras. Just kind of combine them, make something a little bit different. Um, uh, One of the things that we're always trying to do is just mix and match things and make combinations we've never made before. I don't think we'd ever made this combination before, which is why we made it now. Okay, next, Lunar Mystic. So Lunar Mystic is a blue spell. It costs two blue-blue... Um, and it is... Uh, what is it? Hold on one second. Um, it is a 2-2 human wizard. Uh, when you cast an instant spell, you may pay one to draw an extra card. Or to draw a card. Uh, so the idea is that it turns all my instants into cantrips for one. Um, one of the themes, I think of blue-red is my guess, that there was an instant sorcery theme of trying to encourage you to play instant sorcery. This particular card encourages you to play instants, not sources necessarily, um, but we like mixing it up, making different cards. In a limited deck, this can go in a, an instant sorcery deck, but in a constructed, you could actually build directly around instants and not necessarily do sorceries. Okay, next, we get up to M. Damn, I've just pulled into work. So maybe I will stop for today since I, for some reason I like breaking up letters. Is that the aesthetic of me, of the cleanness? So we'll, we'll pick up next time we'll get to M. Um, so obviously we're, we're, we're chugging through. We started today at to E, we got all the way through L, so we're each time I'm doing more letters than the time before. One of the things you find very interesting, by the way, is the alphabet is not equal. If you actually look at magic sets, it is not like halfway through the alphabet, you're halfway through the cards. Um, the early letters tend to get a little more um, representation. Some of the later letters, just there's there's a lot less uh, Qs and Xs and Zs and things in the end of the alphabet. So the end of the alphabet uh, is not quite weighted equal to the beginning of the alphabet. Which is my way of saying that I think I'm about half done, maybe slightly more than half done. Um, My predictions will have probably two more podcasts, maybe three. But we shall see. Anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying the Averson Restored uh, walkthrough and talk about all the different cards. Um, it, it It was a fun design, and it's neat looking back. I forgot how much we played up the, the two sides, the, the loner strategy versus the team strategy. It, we, we clearly did it. And it's fun when you look back on sets sometimes that you have themes that are really strong. And at the time, you made them strong. And you sort of forgot about how strong you made them. And then when you're digging in deep, you're like, wow, it's really here. Oh, yeah, it's it's screaming from the rooftops. I've forgotten how strong... That, I mean, normally we do that. I just, I just With time, things fade. So anyway, uh, I am now in my parking spot. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.